0: Hey guys, Pastor Bear here. Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 1115 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at www.realchurchcowita.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Cowita. I hope you enjoy this week's message. A series called Begin Again. And so I want to take a brief moment and just walk through very briefly um, uh, where we're at so far. There was a group of people that uh, were in captivity. They had been taken to captivity because they were not obedient to what God wanted them to do. And so they went from captivity, uh, they went over into Babylon. Now, Babylon is current day Iraq and uh, Iran around that area. So they own the whole area. And they ended up going into captivity, and while in captivity, uh, we know a couple of different books that were written. The book of Daniel, we we know about the, uh, even if you don't go to church a a lot, you know about the three guys in the fiery furnace. So that was during this time of captivity. And and so what ended up happening is, is that, God called a new uh, nation to come through and they took over those people and they destroyed the people that had taken them into captivity. And God called a pagan king, a king that didn't even follow him named Cyrus, he called him to send the people back. And so what we've been studying here is called begin again. They have actually went back into uh, the area of, uh, of their homeland, which was uh, Israel, uh, mainly Jerusalem around that area. The Israelites have gone back in and over a period of about 20 years, they have rebuilt, they have rebuilt the temple. The temple was destroyed, they have rebuilt the temple. Now, the temple wasn't quote-unquote great as it was the first time, but they have re- rebuilt the temple. You fast forward about 60 years, and the person who's writing the book actually named Ezra, Ezra actually goes back to the area to check on the progress, to check on the people. He goes back to see how everything is going, all right? And so, what we're going to pick up from today is what he did once he got back. So he went back to the area where he was originally from, the area of Jerusalem. And that's where we're going to pick up from today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezra chapter nine. If you don't, we will have it on the screen for you. All right, Ezra chapter nine. So Ezra was a scribe, and a scribe is someone who details out, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you guys know how they did Bibles back then, how they they would get these scrolls and they would literally write letter by letter by letter by letter of the Bible. That's what they would do, and they, they were called scribes. And these scribes actually eventually became people that were teachers of God's word. All right, they were teacher of God's word. And that's what Ezra was. Ezra was a scribe, but he was also a teacher of God's word. And so he comes back to check on the progress. And when he comes back to check on the progress, he finds things not as he likes. After 60 years, what had happened is is they have kind of faded away a little bit. And so let's take a look at what the scripture says, starting in verse 1, chapter 9. It says, when these things had been done, the Jewish leaders came to me and said, and here, here you go, this is the part he was mad about. Many of the people of Israel and even some of the priests and Levites have not kept themselves separate from the other people living in the land. They have not kept themselves separate from the other people living in the land. They have taken up the detestable practices of the Canaanites and Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites and Ammonites and any other ites you could actually think of. For these people, uh, and uh, 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 for the men of Israel, have married women from these people, and have taken them as their wives and their sons. So the holy race has become polluted by the mixed marriages. Worse yet, the leaders and officials have led the way in this outrage. When I heard this, and this is what Ezra says, he says, "Listen. When I heard this, here's what I did: I tore my cloak and my shirt, pulled hair from my head and beard, and sat down, utterly shocked." Then all who trembled at the words of God of Israel came and sat with me because of this outrage committed by the returned exiles. And I sat there utterly appalled until the time of the evening sacrifice. At that time of the sacrifice, I stood up from where I had sat in the morning with my clothes torn. I fell to my knees and I lifted up my hands to God. What's going on here? Well, I don't know if you guys understand this, but we call the people of Israel the chosen people. They're called, and you may think, well, what are they chosen for? Well, let me tell you what they're chosen for. They're chosen to bring forth the line of Christ. They're chosen to bring forth a holy people that would eventually birth Christ and through that, redeem the world. That's what they're chosen for. If you've ever wondered why God always said, don't intermarry, if you look in the Old Testament, don't do this, and don't intermarry, and don't take this, and don't take that. The reason for that is, is because we have the chosen people, and the chosen people were chosen to bring forth Jesus as Messiah. That's why in, in the New Testament, you see a lineage going back, and it goes from Jesus, goes all the way back to Adam. It's showing that that holy That lineage had marched right down through all the way into Christ. And so it was a big thing for them to go back. But here's really what's going on. What's going on in the text is this. They have come back. They have come back to the place. And they have gotten reports and they have gotten words that the people that came and actually built the temple, a large portion of those people, Have already turned against what God says. As a matter of fact, it's not not just the people that you would typically think would turn against God and do whatever they want, right? It's actually some of the leaders. And it's not just some of the leaders, it's some of the people that are supposed to be the holy people. They have done the same thing. So God has blessed them coming out of bondage. They've been in this bondage, they've been in this slavery. God has blessed them. Yes, I want to bless you. He blesses them. They come out of it. Not only, if, if you've been here, you know, not only did he bless them there, but whenever they were building the temple, they had a lot of people give them a lot of grief. And finally, God caused the king to say, not only are you going to leave these people alone, but you're going to help them build the temple. And not only are you going to help them build the temple, you're going to pay for it. And so they've been blessed. But just 60 years later, just 60 years later, What had happened? The people had started falling away again. They'd started doing whatever they wanted to do again, and they started taking a different path than what God had called them to do. That's exactly what's going on here. And Ezra comes upon the scene and looks around and sees what's going on and is absolutely blown away by what he has seen. I know this may sound foreign to you, Does this scenario seem familiar to you? Does this seem familiar to you? Is Is there something about this scenario that seems familiar to you? Does it seem familiar to you that just 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, a nation was calling on God, and a nation was calling on and it had God in its proper place? Does this seem familiar to you that a nation would start to go south and would start to go the wrong direction and things that used to be done under the secrecy of sin are now done in public square? Does this seem familiar to you? A nation that had once been blessed by God but now is on the absolute wrong path? Does that seem familiar to you? It should because The U.S. today is doing the same exact thing that those people did when they went back. And here's the sad part. The sad part is, is that a lot of it is not just in in, in the quote-unquote normal everyday people. A lot of it is in our government leaders, and a lot of it is also in the church. It is. You know, we have the scenario here that we are looking at today. And I'm going to talk about a few things today. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I may tick some of you guys off, all right? If I do, I'm sorry. All right, but, but I just really feel like that what God would have me say and what Ezra would, would really highlight is that we as a people are walking the same path of destruction that the people before Ezra got there were walking. And here's a little clue, you guys. Yes, these people turned back. Yes, they turned back. Yes, they turned back. But eventually, they didn't turn back. And the same, the same people that came in and attacked them, God sent another people to come in and attack them. This time, it was the Romans. And in A.D. 70, the temple that they had built was destroyed. It was destroyed again. The second temple was destroyed in A.D. 70. So what do we as Christians do? Well, I think there's some problems with us too, to be honest with you. And I think that's the part that may tick you off. But I want to tell you this. And I titled this, When Worlds Collide. When the world of the secular world uh, that, that we see every day and the world of faith collide, what happens? Well, let me tell you what happens. The first thing is this. We as followers oftentimes look to society for the answers And I want to tell you something. Looking to society for your answers is a dead end. I want you to hear that. Looking to society for your answers is a dead end. You know, the norms of society today have changed so much. What was normal? Let me ask you guys a question, and this is the truth. Have you guys tried to watch a TV show lately with your kids? Has anyone tried to pick out a movie to watch for your kids? Or have you tried to watch a TV show with your kids? Have you guys tried to do that? Has anyone tried to do that? Let me tell you, if you haven't tried to do that, let me let you know what's going to happen. You're going to think that the cartoon network is going to be appropriate. All right? You're going to turn on, I mean, I'm talking about way G, all right? G-rated, all right? The family network. All right, I'm not sure whose family they are talking about, but it was not my family. (laughs) It is ridiculous the content that comes out of our televisions today. Man, I have never felt more like an old-fashioned Southern Baptist preacher. I need a suit and a pulpit to pound, don't I? But it's so true. It's so true. Can I tell you guys something? I have an app on my phone, all right? I have an app on my phone. I have to look at the app to see and read through two or three articles to figure out if my 15-year-old son needs to go to this movie. I have to do that. I have to look up and see whether or not. I have to look up. I'm not really sure what I'd do if it wasn't Google, if Google didn't exist, because I have to Google almost everything. Well, what is this TV show about? Well, let me Google it. What's this thing on Netflix? Well, let me Google it. And I have to Google it to decide if we can actually let it into our homes. You know, it's amazing. Um, And and I'm kind of on a soapbox here, but I guess I'm a preacher. I come allowed to. Uh, to. I am amazed at the people that make the TV shows and the movies and the stances at which they take. Are you guys amazed by that? You shouldn't be because most of them aren't saved. Most of them aren't believers. Most of them aren't followers of Christ. But it's amazing to me, it's amazing to me how people who do not know Christ and people whose lives, listen, have you researched or looked at the lives of some of these people in Hollywood? Let me let you know something. They're all a screwed up mess, every one of them. You know, tonight the Academy Awards are going to be on. I'd like to invite you to join me in not watching um, it's amazing to me. They're all wearing orange lapels, orange, they're on orange flags, and that's for gun safety, which I'm all for, but they're all wearing gun safety, and yet they continue movie after movie after movie after movie after movie to glorify the opposite. They do. They do. They want to talk about, they want to talk about the, the effects uh, of things on women, Yet movie after movie after movie after movie, all it does is glorify sex, glorify all those things. That's all it does. That's all it does. Some of the people that usually go here are going, where's Barry and why is this guy up here? (laughs) I'm just kind of passionate about this stuff. Why do I say all this to you? Why do I say all this to you? Can I tell you guys something? Listen, I don't expect Hollywood to act like a follower of Christ because most of them are not. I don't. I don't expect the people in the movies to tell me this or tell me that. I want you to know something. If you are looking for society, if you're looking for Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or Grammagram or Teddygrams or whatever, I don't care what you're looking at. If you're looking for all those things for your direction, I want to let you know something. It's a dead end. All right? It's a dead end. That's a dead end street for you to be on. You will never get the answers that you need and that you need to live. You will never get that if you are continually looking for society, for society to answer those questions for you. You won't. And I'm going to give you another little hand of advice here. It's worthless for you. It's worthless for you to rail against something that has no life in it to begin with and try to get those people to change. Because here's a clue. They're not going to change. There's only one thing that's going to make them change. And that is, is if somebody comes along and who shares Christ with them and teaches them the only way to salvation, the only way to live, the only way to eternity. That's the only thing that's going to change them. Guys, listen, looking for society for your answers is not the case, and that's exactly what these people were doing. These people got there, they built the temple, and things got normal, and things got slow, and things got kind of meander, and the temple was built, and over a period of 60 years, they started looking at other people, and they started looking at their society, and their society said, oh, it's fine. You can marry whoever you want to marry. It doesn't matter. I know that doesn't sound familiar. It doesn't matter who you marry. As long as you love them, it doesn't matter. God's word says something totally different than that, by the way. God's word says something totally different by that. I love this. I heard Oprah Winfrey say, and listen, if Oprah Winfrey wants to come to this church, she can, and I strongly encourage her to tithe, all right? (laughs) Uh, But I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I heard her say, well, uh, I just had to find my truth, and you need to find your truth. That's all a bunch of baloney. That's all a bunch of hooey, man. It's all a bunch of baloney. There's only one truth, one truth, just one. There's not 10 or 12 or 15. There's one. And the amazing thing is, is that this truth has been foundational and has been around since the beginning of time. It has. It's amazing to me that when something bad happens in our society, it's amazing to me that the society, the first thing they want to do is they want to call on God. And can I tell you what God's saying? I don't know who you are. (laughs) They're looking at God's up there going, you know, this number. Archangel Michael, you know, this number. I don't know this number. I don't know who this is. The only time society wants to call on God is whenever something bad's happened. And then it fades away. Why do they do that? Why do they call on God when something bad happens? You know why I think? I think because deep down in their hearts, they know the truth. Deep down in their hearts, they know the truth. If you're looking for society, I had a guy give me this advice, and I've taken it. If you're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you see something controversial, don't read the comments. The comment section is where the cesspool of society reign. You guys ever notice that? There are some people in their basements right now that are really bored. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm going to tell you the second thing. You guys are all going, oh, yeah, man. Let me tell you something else. Looking for your society is a dead end, but looking to your government for answers is also a dead end. Looking for your government for answers is a dead end. Whenever, whenever George Bush was, was running for president, I decided that I was going to be one of those people that stand out and hold signs, you know what I'm saying? And so I actually started campaigning. I was one of the campaign people for George Bush, both of them, both, both father and son, I campaigned for both of them, and I was very active in politics in my my 18, 19, 20, 21, all the way up until I was about 30-something. I was very active. I was very passionate about it, man. I was... Man, I had my opinions, and and you know I felt strongly that you know abortion was a sin, and I, mean, I had all of them down. Man, I had all of them. I had the check marks down, and and this these people like these, these these people that would come up, and they would they would they would come up, and they would talk to me and say, "Why do you believe this?" And I would tell them why I believed it, and I would show them foundationally in the scriptures why I believed it. But I campaigned. I campaigned for, uh, for, for, for George Bush, and I was like, I was holding signs, and I was passing out flyers, and I went door to door. I did all kinds of little stuff like that, and I was so passionate about it. And then, and all of a sudden, he won. He got into office, and I was like, wow, man, oh, happy day. We won. Things are going to change. And four years later, everything was exactly the way it was before. Everything. And nothing had changed. Nothing had changed. Nothing And I realized then, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. I've learned something. And I hope it doesn't offend people, but I've learned this. When you take a Christian and they become a politician, the end result is a politician. Christian plus politician equals politician. It doesn't equal Christian politician. It means politician. That's what you get. That's what you get because of the corruption and those kind of things. And that's the same thing that was going on here. Some of the very leaders that Ezra came and that were sent by God, some of the very leaders, those people, those people were the most corrupt among, among everybody. They were the most corrupt among ever, everybody. I want to tell you something else too. If you're looking for the government for your answers, you are looking for a dead end. But I want to say this to you. There is a lot of people, even that go to this church, that are very passionate about issues dealing with our society and with the government. One of those issues is gun control. That's one of the things you guys are really passionate about. I know that because I posted something online about two weeks ago, and I thought you guys were going to stake me and hang me on a cross and crucify me. Um, I I know that. I know that there's people on my, on my newsfeed. It's amazing to me. I told this to Wendy. I said, You know, it's amazing. I can post 1,900 things on my newsfeed and I get 100 likes, but I post something that goes against what the norm would be, and it's crickets. It's crickets. I want to tell you something. My prayer for you, I wish that we were as passionate about sharing God's love and about the gospel and about who Jesus is, I wish we were as passionate about that as we are gun control. I wish we were as passionate about that as we are all these other issues that come along. I, I, wish, we were, I, w- that's how, I wish we were that passionate. I wish we were as passionate about that as all these other things. I wish I would go on people's Facebook lines and see all the incredible stories that God's doing in your life and for your friends and for your family and for all the. I know he's doing it. I know he is. I've talked to you. But we don't do that. We get tied into an issue and we and listen, I'm guilty too. we get tied into an issue and we get and we think that it's the end of the end of the end. Tony Evans says this. He says, why are, you, why are you surprised by what's going on in society? Whenever you take God out, chaos always enters in. When you take God out of the equation, chaos enters in. That's what happens. And so why are we surprised that there's chaos? Why are we surprised that there's things that are going on in society? Of course, of course, that's what's going to happen. And I know it would be easy to say, well, I'll tell you what. It's those people's problems. It's this group of people. If only we could all be Republicans in in the government, or if only we could all be Democrats in the office. Can I tell you you guys something? Jesus would be an independent. He would have no part of either party. Because deep down at the core, he has no part of either party. I told you I was going to take you off. Guess what the people were saying when Jesus engaged, by the way, with the society and he engaged with the government. Guess what the people were saying in the church? Guess what the people were saying in the church whenever Jesus came around? Guess what they were saying? If only we could overthrow the government. That's what the people in church were saying. If only we could overthrow these people. If only we could overthrow this group of people who were in power. If only our society, this is back when Jesus walked. If on, now they didn't have Facebook Google and Twitter all right but but they would have they would be getting a lot of likes if they did I mean literally the Pharisees would be on there you know it'd be you know, Pharisees at gmail.com and they'd be getting the likes man. if only this, if only that and the whole group of people in the church that's what they did they just fired these arrows all over and guess what Jesus did. He called those people a brood of vipers. He says listen, Do not not follow them. As a matter of fact, listen to what they say, but don't follow their actions. That's what he said. I have no faith in our society to direct my kids or to direct me. I have no faith in our government to direct my kids or direct me. I have all faith in Christ. And the example that he gave and in following him, I have faith in that. That's what I have faith in. That's where I put my trust in. You know, the truth of the matter is, is that back, back before, really before World War, II, World War II, back before then, the church was the one that set the moral compass. The church was the one that helped out the people that were needy and poor. The church was the one that went the extra mile The church was the one that was selfless. The church was the one that did it. We were the ones that went out and helped people. We didn't have a need for that in our government because the church was doing the job it was supposed to do. But we as the church have failed to do that. And when we have failed to do that, the government, the society has had to step in and set whatever example they try to set for our society. And now we're left with chaos because wherever you take God out, chaos enters so it's easy to want to blame those people and those people and this group of people and that group of people and this group of people and this center and that center. But the truth of the matter is is that we as a church, we fail more than anybody. We failed more than anybody. I want to tell you something. The life of Christ and the Holy Scriptures is the only thing that gives life. The life of Christ and the Holy Scriptures are the only thing that gives life. And I want to tell you this. God can be trusted. He is not going to lead you down the wrong path. He's not. When Wendy was, uh, was dating, Wendy wanted to date this boy in high school. It wasn't me. She was led astray. Um, she wanted to date this boy in high school. And, and her, her mother uh, said, no, we're not going to date him. She was like, Mom, he's so cute. Oh. Anyway, he's so cute, blah, 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 blah. He drives this nice car, whatever. No, we're not going to be dating him. We're going to go and we'll skip that one. I don't understand. I don't understand. Tell me why. Tell me why. No, Wendy, you're just going to have to trust me, is what her mom said. You're just going to have to trust me. And Wendy was obedient, I think. Uh, she was obedient, she was, and she didn't date him, and later on found out some things about the guy that she was like, oh my gosh, I had no clue. Much like Wendy's mom didn't give the reason why, just wanted them to do that, that's how God is too, he's the same way. There's some things that you're just going to need to trust him about. There's some things you're just going to need to stand. I talked to somebody this week, they were going through a hard time, and I said, they said, I have prayed, I've humbled myself. I've, I've literally laid out. Uh, I have I have asked God for everything, and I said, well, "Well, my friend, you are at the point now where all you can do is stand. That's all you can do. What's the answer? What's the answer if you if you if you had the situation where you've gotten too caught up in this whole society thing and too too caught up in this whole, this whole listen society acting like heathens is nothing new. It happened literally from the first society. Cain was a heathen. All right, that's where it all started." And we went from there. There's nothing new under the sun here. Where, where what do you do? Well, here's what, here's what Ezra did. The scripture says this, and I'll read it to you. It's a prayer. In verse 6, he said, I prayed. Oh, my God, I am utterly ashamed. I blush to lift up my face to you, for our sins are piled higher than our heads, and our guilt has reached the heavens. Now, he's doing this laid out in front of people. From the days of our ancestors until now, we have been steeped in sin. This is why we and our our kings and our priests have been at the mercy of the pagan kings of the land. We have been killed, captured, robbed, and disgraced just as we are today. But now we have been given a brief moment of grace for the Lord our God has allowed a few of our survivors... Uh, They survived as a remnant. He has given us security in this holy place. Our God has brightened our eyes and granted us some relief from our slavery. For we were slaves, but in, in his unfailing love, our God did not abandon us in our slavery. Instead, he caused the kings of Persia to treat us favorably. That's Cyrus, by the way. He revived us so we could rebuild the temple of our God and repair its ruins. He has given us protective walls in Judah and Jerusalem. Oh, now, oh, God. Uh, what can we say after all this? For once again, we have abandoned your commands. Your servants and prophets warned us when they said the land you are entering to possess is totally defiled by detestable practices of the people who are living there. From one end to the other, the land is filled with corruption. Don't let your daughters marry their sons. Don't take their daughters as your wives or your, uh, for your sons. Don't ever promote the peace and prosperity of those nations. It will if you if you follow their, these instructions, you will be be strong and will enjoy the good things the land produces, and you will leave the prosperity to your children forever. And he says this. Now we are being punished because of our wickedness and because of our great guilt. But we have actually been punished far less than we deserve. For you, O God, have have allowed uh, some of us to survive as a remnant. But even so, we are again breaking your commandments and intermarrying with people who do these detestable things. Won't your anger? Be enough to destroy us so that even this little remnant no longer survives. O Lord God of Israel, you are just. We come before you in our guilt as nothing but an escaped remnant, though in such a condition that none of us can stand even in your presence. What's he saying? He's saying, God, we are such a bunch of screw ups. That you've blessed us over and over again, and here we are, and all we can do, we, we, every time you give us something, we mess it up. Every time you bless us, we mess it up. Every time this happens, we mess it up. And what can we do? And he says this So, here, here, God, we are going to lay out before you all we can do, all we can do is just literally lay before you and hope that you give us mercy. Because all we've done is mess up time and time again. What's the answer? Let me tell you the answer and we'll close with this. The answer, if you haven't been looking to God, but looking for society, for your government, for whatever, for your bank account, I can go on and on and on. If you've been looking to all these other things, the answer is to humble yourself, admit your sin, and turn from your ways and walk toward Jesus. That's it. That's it. It's very simple. God hasn't made this, you know, Chinese arithmetic here. It's very simple. Humble yourself. The scripture calls it repenting. Turn from your ways and walk to follow Jesus. You know why you do that? I'll tell you why. Because he, he is your answer. That's why. Let me pray for you. Lord God, your word is a mountain of overwhelming um, just grace for me. I love the way your word teaches and the way your word instructs us. Lord, we do not need to look for every, around every corner. We do not need to look around every corner to find some answer, Lord. God, all we have to do is humble ourselves, repent, and walk in your ways. The scripture says that, God, that you bless those that walk in your ways. Lord, let us be those kind of people. Let us be people that don't expect unsaved people to act like they're saved. But we can be a light to those people, just like Jesus was. And as we do that, Lord, I ask you to bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you would like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcowita.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us on Sunday at 11.15 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Also, check out our website or Facebook page for directions. Until next time, God bless, and remember to love God, love others, and live real.